I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 36, the Manuel Giandonato episode. Sergio, you're right. We are definitely scraping the bottom of the barrel in the 30s. Congratulations. This was bound to happen. It was, <laughs> it was, it was logical, but logically bound to happen. But you know, it, it was good while it lasted, though. I enjoyed it. it, it was like twenty numbers. That's right. We're we're gonna we're probably gonna have to find a uh, a new a new shtick to come up with uh, once we hit the forties. But anyways, obviously we've got a lot to talk about since the schedule is relenting and unforgiving at this point especially what's ahead. So let me first bring in, uh, we are Chuck's list this week. So first let me bring in Sam LaPresti. Hello, Sam. It's snowing again, Danny. It's well, <laughs> welcome to yeah. February in New Jersey. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, you know, after two days of complete and utter shutdown last uh, earlier in the week, five to eight more inches is just yay. Yay. <laughs> And somebody who is sitting where it's definitely not snowing is Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here as always. I'm taking one week off from the pod, but happy to be here back again. The 70s, which is it's pretty nice, actually. Not, we uh, shake no our fists at you, Sergio. We shake our fists. <laughs> no complaints, really. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. How, how, how's it uh, sitting there in, in shorts and a t-shirt, Sergio? We'll have to wear a hoodie, so you know it's not all all sunshine and like awesomeness. But you know it's fine. I, I can live with that. But it could be, seeing as it's in the seventies, it could be all sunshine outside. Well, that's true. But seventies is kind of you know chilly for us down here. So <laughs> chilly. Don't want to don't want to catch cold or something. Chilly. All right. Speaking of a, of a place that's rather chilly these days, uh, northern Italy, and as we saw, rather rainy at Allianz Stadium. Saturday night. However, not so gloomy as the weather was Juventus's performance. And as we've been saying these last few weeks, we're starting to see Andrea Pirlo adapt very much to the situation as a manager. And I mean, it was very much a defensive win rather than an attacking performance. And whoever would like to jump in here first, what did you think of Andrea Pirlo channeling his inner Max Allegri. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was, it, it showed a, a very, I, like I said in my in my match recap, I think it was, it, I showed a, a an astute side to him because here is a Roma team coming in without their main playmaker and Lorenzo Pellegrini, like Bren had mentioned last week when he was joining us. And were without their big finisher in it in Dzeko. And so 
why not just set yourself up and let Roma have a bunch of sterile possession and hit him when you can hit him? And that's exactly what happened. I don't think that it would have been the right call if Jekko had been starting because I don't... It, in that half hour that Jekko was on the field, I think that the the Roma attack started looking a little bit more dangerous. Jekko was winning more physical duels, winning more aerial duels. Chiellini kind of wiped the floor with Borja Valero, uh, not Borja Valero, Borja Mayoral, different Borja. <laughs> and it, it just, it worked. It, it was a smart decision. It was an adaptable decision. And it's really showing, like you said, the, the growth of Andrea Pirlo as a coach to be doing what to, to be taking, taking in the situation and recognizing it for what it is and making, uh, and making a change to what he normally wants to do. It, it really was, it, it was, it was the mark of a coach far more mature than he is in terms of, of how much experience he has. And I thought that it was really, really encouraging. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, as, as someone who was an, an unabashed Max Allegri defender and, and Stan at the time. I, 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 that's what I, I enjoyed the most about him as, as a manager, you know, that ability to kind of say the, the way I prefer to play is not going to work against this or that team. So I'm just going to have to, you know, bite the bullet and try to play differently. And I think that was a lot of, of, of his success as a Juventus coach, you know, the, the arguably his two best seasons, you know, the two seasons in which uh, they made the, the Champions League final, they were, you know, they got there with completely different teams and completely different setups, you know, under the same manager, which is, I think, a compliment to, you know, how he could be malleable, how, how he could adapt to the circumstances of his roster and his opponents. So the fact that Andrea Pirlo is already kind of, we're starting to see this type of, you know, adapt- adaptability with him, you know, with, I don't know, six months on the job. I mean, I think that's pretty, that, that's, that's pretty remarkable and that's pretty impressive. I mentioned it in, in the graph back for this, this week that with Mauricio Sarri last year, you could, it was pretty much the same throughout the year, right? I mean, the, what was good remained good and the issues that there were, there, there remained issues until his very last game, right? Like you, you couldn't really see a lot of progress. You couldn't really see a very different team. And with Andrea Pirlo in the early goings of the second half, we're already seeing that difference. You know, we're already seeing, okay, the first matchup against Roma, it was a 2-2 draw. They took advantage of that high press. They counter us, you know, to death. They had a bunch of chances on the counter. And this time, what am I going to do differently? Well, I'm going to absorb a little bit more pressure. I'm going to, you know, be a bit more defensive. Now I'm going to try to counter them. And I think that worked. And, you know, we saw the result. It wasn't a, a game that's going to be, you know, talked about in, you know, years. It wasn't the most, you know, interestingly or appealing game. But it, it got the job done. And, and just, you know, if, if you're just looking at the progress of the team and Andrea Pirlo as a manager, I think this is one of the, the first things that you have to say that, that was really impressive. You know, just that, that ability to learn from your mistakes and adapt your team and adapt your strategy for the rival. And I think that was, that was pretty impressive overall. Even if the game itself wasn't the most, you know, there was not a lot of fireworks necessarily on the game. But, you know, seeing it, you also never really 
thought that Roma was going to come back, honestly. And and I think that was really, really impressive because Roma is not a bad team. I mean, they were third in the league. I mean, now they're fourth, but they're still, that's a good team. And that was a quality, quality win. I also thought that it, when you look at Pirlo as an in-game manager, I think that he also was making the right decisions there too. And that's something that I think has been with one or two exceptions late in the 2020 calendar year, I think has, has been a, a hallmark of his game. I think he made a really good move early to get Kulusevsky and Quadrado on, try to get a little bit more into the counterattack, and that produced the, the second goal. I think, you know, by the end, he was, by the end, I think we were we legit playing a five-man back line at the end of the game. I think we were. It was essentially that because you had, you had Demerol, Delict, Chiellini, and then Danilo Quadrado, was out on the left at that point. Danilo was on the left, so yeah, it was basically a and Juan, back line. yeah, and you know that was just you know just clam up and finish it. And I think that that it was you know the way he changed things around in uh, mid game worked just as well. A few people I was talking with a couple of people during the game just of back and forth on Twitter, and they were mentioning that you know. As much as, say, we'd like Delict to be, you know, playing, say, as much as he was or maybe close to as much as he was in the the first half of the season where he went on, what was it, 10 straight games of, of 90, 90 or so minutes. But anyways, that, you know, Pirlo can now, with Chiellini being in this kind of form, he can be, say, a little more defensive than he'd like to. Because as we're seeing, with Chiellini in there, Bonucci is suddenly playing a whole lot better too. And we've mentioned that before, kind of that Batman and Robin dynamic where, you know, Chiellini, he's, when he's out there, he's the clear number one. Bonucci is the clear number two, where I say as much as we love Delict, he might not kind of have that, you know, he, he, he's obviously a leader of the future, but he maybe doesn't say tower over <laughs> "Quote unquote tower over Bonucci like like Chiellini does, and I think Chiellini's ability to these last few weeks to stay healthy and play a full ninety minutes is really giving Pirlo these these chances to say, you know, be a little more defensive and play on the counter that that we saw against saw against Roma because you look at the way Chiellini's playing. This is, I mean, you know, obviously he hasn't played much these last couple of years, but." this might be the best we're seeing him as he shakes off all this rust that we we've, we've seen him, you know, before the, before the knee injury. Of course. And I don't think not to, you know, declare victory before time, you know, I mean, this is, he's played, you know, I don't know, like five matches. So let's not say that he's going to, you know, stay healthy for the rest of the season, but if he were a big part of it is going to be, you know, rotation, a big part of it is going to be giving him as much rest as possible. And, the roster as it's, as it's currently constructed has exactly that depth and, and has that flexibility to give him that, that resting time. You know, I mean, what, what other team can, you know, take out a guy like Chiellini or take out a guy like Bonucci and bring in at the Ligt or bringing at them, you know, right. Like you're talking about, there's maybe a little bit of, of a, of a difference in quality, but you're not bringing in a, a scrub by any means. So I, I'm assuming that for next game against Inter, which we'll we'll get to it in a minute, but 
I'm assuming that for the you know second leg against Inter, they're gonna throw out you know Demerel and Licht probably and, and give Kilini some rest. And that that still leaves you with two very good center backs at that position. You're not making a, a huge risk by starting those two guys. So you know, obviously fingers crossed, but I think that the prospect of having a healthy Giorgio Chiellini for the rest of the season is, I mean, it's, it's massive. It changes the whole perspective of, of what you can do from a formation wise, from a player wise, from a depth wise, it just gives Andrea Pirlo so many, you know, variants to play with. And, and I think that's something that at least personally, I wasn't counting on when the season started. I just thought if he, you know, if he plays a couple matches here and there and it's a good locker room presence, that that's all gravy, right? But to see him play and play consistently and play really, really well is just—I mean, it, it's really much more than than what I expected personally from from the captain this year. And you uh, mentioned and- it after after the game or during the end of the end of the game, Sergio. How demoralizing do you think it is for an opposing team as Juve's shutting up shop, really, you know, hunkering down for the final portion of the game? And here comes Matthias Delict. Off the bench. <laughs> yeah. That like, has come on. <laughs> that has. And I think in, in previous years, on paper, I guess, Juventus always have good, quote unquote, good depth. But I think this is the first year in which this is the actual depth that was promised. That this is what the team was supposed to be. Because you look at the subs and it's like, oh, cool. They took out like, they bring in Kulusevsky, the best young player in Serie A last year. They bring in. Juan Cuadrado, one of the you know better fullbacks in the league. They bring in Matthias Delic, they bring in Mary Demiral, they bring in this dude, they bring Federico Bernardeschi, but you know, whatever. <laughs> they bring in this dude that that in any other team in the league would be, and they a lot of them are stars here in Juve too. But I mean, all of these dudes, they come from the bench. It's like, what are what are we talking about here? Like, how do you bring those guys? How do you have the ability? to bring that quality from the bench. I mean, just from a moral aspect for, for the opposing team, it has to suck. And for, for Juve as a team, just to have that ability to bring in those guys, I mean, it's, it's a game changer. It really is. Reminds me of, a, of, of something that happened years ago. Uh, this was, uh, I think it was 2015, 16. No, later than that, even it was, I think it was Iguain's first year with the team. We were sitting at legends and we're watching a game. It was that game that, that they like laid an egg against Genoa at the Marassi and were like down three nil and then scored two goals and stoppage time to make it look respectable. And so we're watching the game at legends and next to us are a couple of old guys from the Bologna fan group. That is, that has its home at legends. And they were also behind and they brought in like Sergio Flocari as a replacement. And like two seconds later, Iguain came off the bench for us. And one of the Bologna guys is, took us quick glance at his TV and just get, Oh, for God's sakes, they put, we, we we're putting on Flocari. They're putting on, or, and they're putting on Iguain. Like the, like there was just like this, that resignation and despair in his voice as he said it. But it's it is so true to just see all these these guys and and especially and even for a team like you said Sergio like Roma which isn't bad they're certainly not you know top top of the table quality right now but they're not bad either even for a team like them that's gotta hurt 
Yeah, that definitely. And and like I said, it always it hasn't it always was in theory what Juventus wanted to do, as every big club wants to do. But th- it didn't always happen in practice. Like I'm just gonna you know uh, pick up a, a scab here of a bad mem- a few bad memories for us Juve fans. But you know, in the 2017 Champions League final, this is who we brought in as subs to turn the game around. No, was, don't do it. it was, no, don't talk about it. No, <laughs> no, no, I, I no stop. Do it. I stop. Do it because it's it's stop. hilarious. It's Juan Cuadrado, a significantly worse Juan Cuadrado at the time, who got red carded immediately afterwards or whatever. Then Claudio Marquisio and Mario Lemina. Mario Lemina, the immortal Mario Lemina, who was the you know the the big gun that we brought from the bench. And in the and a, a lot of that had to do with the fact that Piazza had gotten hurt, and so there were no other forwards based off of that formation that Max came up with. Yeah, you're you're yeah, even Marco if you were, you're bringing in Marco Piazza. Like if that guy is going to solve your issue, like you know, it's, it's hey, still, don't forget how Piazza. Great. Don't forget how how promising Piazza actually looked that season. I mean, that the, it was the the injury that he suffered and on international duty that year really did kill his career because I thought he was looking up. I mean, remember he had just scored the winning goal against Porto in the first, in one leg of the round of 16, like he had started, he had just scored his debut Serie A goal to the uh, right before he went on that international break. Like that could have been a much different career for him if he hadn't gotten hurt. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree. As one of the the few people on the Marco Piazza bandwagon, I agree. (laughs) You're still driving that bus, aren't you, Sergio? Look, listen, he's like 23 or something, right? Like at this point, like <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. He might pan out. He's he's final playing in Genoa, I think, actually, right? Like they loan him out there. So yeah, with the yep. 17 other players that Juventus and Genoa either have uh, agreements with or whatever. Mark Marco Piazza, 25 years old. He'll be 26 oh, in May. Late, late bloomer. Like that could still happen. i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Like Sergio mentioned, Juventus also has a big Coppa Italia semifinal second leg against Inter coming up here in a few days we are recording on sunday morning so it will be about 48 hours from when we're talking and obviously we saw pirlo field a much stronger starting 11 than he had been the first couple rounds that juventus participated in the copa inter we're missing a few of their big guns they get them back but they're also going to be missing a few other people for the second leg in turin this tuesday thoughts on the first leg Thoughts on the second leg, and can Juventus do what they did in Milan last week and really, even though they don't need to win, be able to hold off an inner team that's obviously going to come out come out, you know, full full guns blazing looking to flip the, the 2-1 scoreline? I think, I think it's going to be a much different game than last week, very much because what you said, them getting two big guns – back off the suspension, Romelu Lukaku and Atrak Fekimi, who just make that team put the, the two of them put that team on a different level than the one that 
that Juventus played on Sun on Tuesday. Lukaku is just so bullishly strong, holding up and and making and linking up with Martinez, and Hakimi is just a terror on that that right flank, that right wing, the way that we saw in the Serie A game. I think that we'll probably be seeing Alexandro out on that right side, on that left flank, try to try to match up with him, try to get a, as solid a de- defense as possible. I actually disagree with Sergio a little bit. I would chance it and let Chiellini play on Tuesday because he and Lukaku are a, he is the best matchup I think for Lukaku the, amongst the Juventus center backs. I mean the first the that that. Serie A game was really the first time I think that Lukaku had even made a peep in his career against in a head-to-head against Chiellini before that I remember the you know there was the the Euro game in 2016 between Italy and Belgium that Chiellini had him in his back pocket when we played Manchester United in the Champions League and Lukaku was was playing there he again just really didn't do much so I think if if he feel if Chiellini feels okay feels up to it physically I would throw him out there i would try to use him to 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 blanket to blanket lukaku and try to eliminate him as a big factor the other thing is we might not we it's entirely possible that leonardo Bonucci isn't going to be fit for the game they say so far that it's not a a significant injury but you know he's only playing 72 hours later so we'll see what he actually can put out but yeah it's it's going to be a heck of a game it's going to be another and this might be another situation where Pirlo is really going to have to split the difference between going after a, you know, a goal that will really, that will really help on the aggregate and kind of clamming up because, you know, Pier, you know, Inter need at least two to, to have any chance. So does Pirlo straight up park the bus, which really isn't his style, but we saw that a little bit here against Roma, although not to an absurd degree. Um, or do you let, you know, do you let the guys play a little bit more, try to get the goal first and then let, let things sort out from there. Yeah. I, I agree on the, on the point that I do. I also believe that Chiellini would be the better option on, on the back line against Inter because of the Lukaku factor, like you mentioned. And also, especially because I, I hard, I very much doubt that Bonucci will be fit enough to, to play there and they probably won't chance him either way. But I also like, I, I mean, I guess it's one of those things that you just have to to play by ear, right? Like, ask the player, like, figure it out with the medical staff because, you know, yes, he's playing great, but, you know, he does have a lengthy, lengthy injury history, and I would hate to, you know, see him kind of, like, back in the injury list because they, they played him a lot, you know, in, in a few matches. But, yeah, I agree. And even if Kilini doesn't play, like we were saying, right, like throwing in, Matthijs Delict as, you know, hey, you figure out Lukaku. Like, I think that's, I mean, that's not a bad guy to, to have in your back pocket. So we'll see how how Pirlo decides to to go at it. Uh, from, a, you know, just the lineup perspective, I, I think we're going to see a lot of, like Sam said, uh, something very similar to what we saw against Roma. So a team that does not necessarily, you know, give possession to, to the other team all game long that does not necessarily you know park the bus like we were talking about but that is very much more like it, it's very much more defense centric than possession centric and so i think we're going to see something similar because they do have those two away goals to play with and it, it, it's going to be interesting to see definitely inter is a 
completely different team with, with Hakimi. But, you know, again, Juve is a completely different team when Gianluca Farabotta is not your left back and, and has to match up with him. So I, I think it's just going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be two teams that are much more fit and much more in form than what we had seen at this point, because in the first leg, you could tell, well, Inter doesn't have Lukaku, Inter doesn't have Hakimi. And in the first uh, in the first match of the Serie A matchup, you could, you know, say the same thing. You know, Juve doesn't have, you know, anybody on the left wing. Juve doesn't have this, Juve doesn't have that. So I, I think this is going to be the first match that is, you know, quote-unquote full strength from both sides. And there's definitely going to be fireworks. I, I definitely hope to see Juventus move forward and, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. If, if I had to make a prediction, that would definitely come true. I think Juve, you know, finds a goal early early on and then it's just, you know, white knuckling until, until the final whistle. It's also going to be interesting to see what Inter does to replace Arturo Vidal because Vidal is suspended. My guess would be that would maybe be Stefano Sensi, who has been kind of up and down since he, he joined Inter. And also, here's here's the other one, Sergio. I'm surprised you didn't mention it. Will we see a late a late game cameo from your son, or is he gonna be is he gonna finally be ready and fit to go? I that, that's tough, right? Because they've been moving that that timeline a lot. I think that at, at the beginning, I think the goal was to have him ready early February, right? And then they moved it, and then it was gonna be like mid February. Now the latest I've heard is is that uh, the plan is to have him ready to go for the Porto matchup in, in the Champions League. It's, 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 I don't know. Like, it's, it's not super clear when is he going to be back at this point. It'd be nice to see him play against Inter, especially if they're up and, you know, last 15 minutes or so, and you can bring a guy like that to see if you can muster a counter or something. Or if, you know, God forbid, they're down and then you can bring him to try to conjure up some magic and, and win the matchup. Who knows? But at this point, it's very murky, I think. Well, from what I've read and from what I've heard, I think it's very murky, it's very murky his, his injury development, I guess. And I think it was, I think it's, I think it says something that there were even, there was even some talk that he could, that they, they thought there was an outside chance he'd be on the bench yesterday. And, you know, maybe if not, if not enter, maybe, you know, to see him get a couple of minutes against Napoli, which is going to be another interesting game because Napoli is down their top two center backs at this point, especially since he was he you could tell he was just starting to click in right when he suffered that injury. So we'll we'll it'll be really interesting to see what his form turns out, turns out to be or if he's going to have to take another couple of weeks to kind of build up momentum before he he really makes a before he really starts making an impact again because he was starting to that like you know that that assist he had against Milan which was only I mean like he was playing in the Milan game which was not that long ago which is an amazing I mean it just feels like there's so it feels so it feels like it's been such a long time but it really hasn't in 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 calendar terms but because there have been so many games in between it feels like he's been gone for months yeah, it was it was early January that Milan game. Like, I mean, that's when he was starting to click and he was starting to actually, you know, kind of figure out, you know, his best spot in the lineup and the best way to use him. And then, you know, he gets hurt again. It just been the the season from hell for for Paolo Dybala. And you know, 
if you go by his Instagram feed alone, which I do, he he's like he's roaring <laughs> back to go. Like you know, he's just posting a bunch of pictures from training, and you know, one picture of him in a full kit supporting the team from home. I mean, he looks like he really, really, you know, is is kind of like chomping at the bit to to be back in the lineup and. Again, we go back to, to what we were talking about, you know, depth. I mean, they have managed to have this this long streak of wins and, and good play without literally the best player in the league last year. I mean, I, there's not a lot of teams that could do that, that could survive, you know, one of their better players just being out for so long and, and out of form for so long. And in one way or another, they have managed to get the results either way. So if you if you bring in a guy like Paulo Dybala back into the lineup that is, you know, for a team that is already playing like pretty well, I mean, that's just a major boost. And and that's what this depth can give you as a team, just this flexibility, these added weapons. I mean, if you're under Apirla, you have to be, you know, just smiling, green to like ear to ear because you have so many, so many alternatives, so many variables, so many talented guys to kind of like fit in. And it has to give you fits if you're playing against Juventus because you just don't know who's going to be out there, you know, and they're all good players. So I'm excited to see Paulo Dybala back. I hope it's as soon as possible. If it's not the Inter game, you know, the Napoli game ain't so bad. Like Sam mentioned, no real, I mean, they do have center backs, but it's not their first choice center back. So that'd be kind of like a nice game to to bring him back into the fold. But we'll see. I mean, just just the fact that we're talking to him as a about like a nice plus like a nice bonus and not necessarily a guy that has to come in and you know take the team on his back i mean that's just that's just so great for juventus right now not only has he been training at home he's been training with his dog who has been very involved in his last few gym sessions that he's posted about on instagram a very good dog a, a top very... dog if i if i say an elite dog yes there are, there are a lot of dogs dog dads on this Juventus roster and Paulo Dybala definitely has one of the best dogs of the group. And also I just, I, something else that, that we're saying about the Copa, I believe it was James Horncastle mentioned it during the craziness of the first leg between Juventus and Inter and just kind of how unpredictable this Copa campaign has been. I mean, you look at some of the scores from obviously, you know, Napoli Atalanta was nothing, nothing. It was rather dull, but just the, the Copa once most of the bigger Serie A clubs got in and it's just been just back and forth and nonstop. And I mean, I, I, I got to think that Pirlo's going to at least try and get at least one goal just for a little bit of, of breathing room. Cause I mean, like, like we've been saying, Inter's going to obviously have Lukaku back. They're going to have Hakimi back, but they also need goals. And like Sam said, they need a couple of goals to advance since Juve has, two valuable away goals of their own. So yeah, it's, it's going to be definitely interesting to see how he approaches it, not only to try and get a goal for Juventus, but then if they do get that goal, do they hunker down like they did against Roma this past weekend, or do they really kind of go for the kill shot after that and try and put in her away once and for all? Cause I mean, you, you look at, you look at the way Inter played in the first leg and they were they were the better side for large large portions of that game. So 
the, the first leg was just so sloppy on both sides. Like yeah. it was not a well-played match. That's what I said in my recap, like the Juventus won because they took advantage of more of Inter's mistakes than Inter did of Juve's. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a, a product of just this idiot schedule, just wiping everybody, uh, you know, just sapping everybody's mental and physical abilities or if it was just one of those games. And I mean, sometimes the Derby is like that. I mean, I was actually relatively surprised that there were 22 guys on the field when that game, when the whistle blew at the end. But if this game is, if Juve, if Juve play crisper and make fewer mistakes than they did last week, I don't think there will be much of a issue to get th- uh, in terms of advancing because Inter do have a, a hill to climb. But if they make those same mistakes with Hakimi and Lukaku on the field, that it, it could turn into a, a, a real interesting game really, really quick. A really, and for Juve, bad situation very, very quickly. Exactly. And, and something that we didn't you know, mention, and if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think it would make an impact in, in the case of Juve going through to the final, is that a bunch of players, a bunch of Juve players have yellow cards. So if they, if they got another yellow card in the second leg, they, they would be suspended for the final, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't have the list in front of me right now, but the last time I checked, it was a good amount of guys. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was, I think Chiesa was among them. I think Bentancur was one of the guys. I, there were a lot of players that were yellow carded in the first leg or, or they already had an accumulation or, or whatever, and they would be at risk of being suspended for the final. So I think that's, that's a little wrinkle there that I mean just for a game like like Sam said like the derby which is always kind of you know it's always kind of choppy uh, a bunch of guys are going to have to be really careful if they don't want to miss the final I can give you that list right now it's Bentancur, Bernardeschi Chiesa Rabio, Demiral Ronaldo Sandro Delict Artur Morata those are the guys so that have the been team. booked over the first three games of the Copa for Juve. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, because I, I remember seeing the list. I just don't have it in front of me, and I was like, "Damn, that's like the whole team." It was like pretty much everyone. <laughs> so, I mean, that's gonna be rough if they if they get another yellow card, they get suspended for the final, and that. I mean, you know, if, if, look, listen, I like the guy, but if Bernardeschi gets another yellow card, I think they can survive without him on the final. But you know, if if another guy gets, I don't know if Ronaldo gets it, that's a big that's a big player that they can't have on the final. So they're going to have to be really, really careful. And in a matchup against Inter, in which we assume there's going to be a lot of defending. I mean, I'd be nervous about that. I'd be really, really nervous about that. All right. We will, uh, we'll wrap things up on that note. Hopefully we have some good things to say about Juventus, second leg of the Copa Italia when we come back together, hopefully with Chucks, who's, proving to be a business man, not a business man today. So we wish Chuck's the best with his uh, business ventures that caused him to miss this week's recording. As always, you can follow us on social media at Juventus Nation on Twitter, black and white and red all over on Facebook. Same search options, whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, search black and white and red all over. As always, you can send in Twitter questions if you'd like to at Juventus Nation. We will answer them 
as we so please so for sam for sergio and for the should we say resting is he getting the week off resting chucks this is Danny saying more weeks off than any of the players. Are. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting. <laughs> yes, Andrea Pirlo needs to uh, go with our resting tactics. Sergio got the week off last week. Chuck's getting the weekend off this week. I guess you're you're next up then. So <laughs> doing the McKinney thing. There you go. <laughs> you're playing there. Do it. Pulling a Danilo. Playing every minute of every match. So for my three cohorts, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.